Hey, welcome home to Cassidy. My name is Stephen Mitchell, and it is a great joy to be here. I'm so excited to be able to come together to celebrate what God is doing and what God has done and what God continues to do in and through us and how God uh, leans into a relationship with us so that we can have right relationships with others. That's uh, love God, love neighbor. That's the whole idea is to have these beneficial relationships that build the kingdom of God by building one another up. And so we're excited that we get to continue that and being a part of God's kingdom, loving people where they are and making a difference in their lives. Uh, we've been talking about this worship series called Reset. The idea of not having a, a resolution for New Year's, but instead allowing God to have a revolution within us that we are changed from the inside out to be more and more like Jesus Christ, that we can be transformed more and more into his image so that when the world sees us, they can celebrate Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. When we interact with people, they see the love and grace and hope and joy and peace of Jesus in everything we are and everything we do. And so we've taken a look at some of the, the, the ways that we can reset our lives. The first was on focus, to allow us to shift our focus to a new direction. Uh, then we talked about how we need to reset our faith understand what it is we believe that Jesus lived and died for our sins and transgressions, and then through that we have new life, a brand new life in Jesus Christ. Then we talked about our direction, that we need to go in the direction that God is, is calling us to, uh, because if we're wandering off the path, we're not going to get to where we need to go. We're not going to be able to do the things that God needs us to do. And last week, we talked about desire, how we should desire God more than everything else, and to put all of that aside so that we can allow God to do a powerful work within us. And today, we're continuing Reset, and we're looking at the R word relationship. Uh, for the, uh, in, in the past week, I've heard DTR, define the relationship um, from, from a couple of different people. And it's just one of those thoughts that, that we need to understand what relationships are because relationships are hard. Relationships are difficult mostly because people are involved in relationships. Uh, it's hard to figure out what people want and what motivates them and how to communicate with them in a way that isn't going to have them get frustrated with you or be difficult because sometimes people are difficult to read. Sometimes people are hard to understand. And quite frankly, sometimes people are just plain weird. They don't understand how they're supposed to respond or behave or to act. I remember when my daughter was a little kid, one of the things that we have done in this is that every week I have found a video game reference, thanks to our clever intro video uh, about Mario. So one, one of the, the video games that my daughter played when she was a little kid, she came to me, not a little kid, but uh, a teenager, brand new teenager, maybe 13, 12, 13, somewhere in there, comes to me and says, hey, dad, um, I want you to, to install a, an app on my phone. She didn't have the ability to install whatever app she wanted. Uh, I had the, the stuff on lockdown, so I knew what was being installed and things like that, trying to be a good parent. Uh, she comes to me and says, hey, can I have this app? And, and I was like, well, I'm going to have to read about that because the app was a dating simulator. 
<laughs> dating. And so it's a relationship simulator, boyfriend simulator. I mean, the whole deal was uh, you are a girl and you are trying to get the boy of your dreams. Uh, and so it's, it, I mean, it, it just boggled my mind. And so I wanted to read on it. So I read through, um, figured it out. And then I told her, okay, I'll let you do this but we're, I'm, I'm going to be there with you and we're going to play it together. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch what's going on because I was a little unsure of, of what was the content of the, the dating simulator. And so she's like, okay, no problem. Uh, which told me right away that there was probably going to be no issue. Here's the deal. It was the worst idea ever for me to sit there and, and play that game w- with my daughter because she's, she's trying to get into relationships with these boys, and I see all the red flags. Like the first boy that she was trying to date, and it, it, it's all virtual. It's not real, So just so anybody's like wondering. Um, the, the boy that she was trying to date, like day one, he's cheating on her with her best friend. Like he, she catches him uh, kissing her best friend in, in the game. And so then the question is like, what in the world do I do? Should I dump him or should I keep him? And I was like, there's no question here. Dump him. That's, you know, what are we doing? This game is so, so dumb. And I was like, it's, it's just not realistic. It's so senseless. It doesn't make any sense to me. And, and quite frankly, it should, it should, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't do this. Until I remembered something from my past that I was just like, wait a minute. So this is actually likely. It's actually possible. I, when, I was a, when I was in high school, probably a sophomore in high school, I had a buddy and he had a sister who was a little bit younger than him, like a year younger. And she was very pretty. Uh, and I, I had a thing for, for his sister. I, I did not share that information. I just thought she was a lovely human being uh, and wanted to be near her. And so he called me one day and he was like, hey, uh, my sister's car's broke down. Can you uh, go over and help her out? And I was like, sure, no problem. Uh, you know, I am glad to go and, and be the rescue, cavalry, whatever it is. And so uh, I go over to the house and uh, you know, interacting with her. Hey, what's going on? Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, open the hood, acting like I know what I'm doing. I have no idea what I was doing, uh, trying to get her car running. Uh, I, I did notice, however, that the gas gauge was on empty. So that was my first clue that maybe I could solve this. And I was like, well, it looks like you're out of gas. So we're going to have to get some gas. And then I got my, my gas can uh, in my truck and, and I go and, and like like a superhero, right? I'm like, I'm going to siphon some gas from my car and put it into the gas can. And then we'll, you know, we'll get your car running. No problem. So I'm, you know, get a hose. I'd seen my dad do this. Uh, I inhaled probably way too much gasoline. And, and, you know, we have the gas siphoning out of my truck into the gas can. And then I get it into her car and, uh, and we get the car running enough to go and get gas. So it starts, oh, she's so grateful. Everything's good. And it's about this time that we're really making a connection. And I'm like, hey, this is, this is great. She's pretty. I'm, I know that she's way out of my league, but hey, she's, she's into it. Uh, and like a legit into it. We were holding hands and whispering sweet nothings back and forth. And I got her phone number. We got her car filled up with gas. I went home. We talked that night for like a couple hours on the phone until my parents yelled at me to get off the phone. I thought things were going fantastically. 
Uh, over the weekend, I talked to her a couple more times. And then Monday rolled around, and I knew where her second period class was because she went to school in the same school that I did. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to go hit her up after, after first period. I'll go over there and, and see her. And I walked in, and it turns out that her friends also realized that I was out of her league. And so when I walked in, her friends saw me, and they just walked, like, they gave me the look, like the friend look, the disapproving friend look. Uh, and I, I walked over to her, and I was like, hey, what's up? And she was like, hey, thanks for fixing my car. I got to go. And that was the end. Like, that was the, the end of the relationship. Like, it, I, we weren't even, like, really in a relationship, but that was the end because I wasn't worth the risk to her reputation for her to stay in any kind of relationship with me. And that, that, like, uh, that was a big eye-opening experience for me because I was like, okay, so my, my reputation or, or who I am is not good enough for her friends, and that means that they can influence her. So when we think about relationships, the problem we have with relationships, it's not just the people we're in relationship with, it's everybody. When my son started dating someone uh, the, for the first time, uh, you know, everybody had something to say about it, his mom, his grandparents, everybody, we're all talking about, ooh, Alex has got a date, you know, that, it was crazy. When my daughter started dating somebody for the first time, everybody's got something to say about it. Oh, I don't think he's going to mount too much. You know, the grandparents, they all have this idea of, you know, you got you to gotta be at the top of the, the hill in order to, to make any kind of progress there. And I was like, guys, they're in, she's in middle school or in high school. I don't, it was high school. She's in high school. It doesn't matter. Just, you know, they, she needs the date so she knows what not to like, right? Those types of things. And so it's, it's interesting to me because relationships is just they're just hard because there's people and there's circumstances and there's situations and there's your own emotional baggage and there's the emotional baggage of the people you're dealing with. And so it's just hard. It's hard to deal with. It's hard to work through. And all, all of us have experienced strange relationships, difficulties in relationships, whether it's friends or romantic relationships, whatever it is. And some of that comes from the expectations that we place on one another. This idea that you need to measure up to my expectations, and, and you know, it doesn't matter what, uh, if I measure up to those same expectations, you at least should measure the, up to those expectations. Uh, and it, it places more undue stress on all of these relationships. And, and maybe you're sitting out there going, well, I've seen others have difficulty, but I've never had difficulty. <laughs> and uh, for, uh, I think you should pump the brakes on thoughts like that, because we all are jacked up. We all bring all of these things into relationships, and they, they can be difficult for us. Here, let me give you an example. My favorite, my favorite example, usually it's husbands talking about their wives that I hear this, uh, but I've heard it myself from, uh, from husbands talking to wives. I've also heard it myself from other, other friends uh, is this one quote, one simple quote that demonstrates that we really put expectations on others that are unrealistic. Uh, and here, here it is. You should have known what I was thinking. 
<laughs> you should have known what I was thinking. Nobody can know what you're thinking. It's in your head. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe I should have been able to pick up the subtle clues. I, I'm one for, hey, let's just make it vocal so that I'm, I don't have to guess what's going on. So instead of, you should have known what I was thinking, let's have some communication. Because the truth is, sometimes we are the problem. Sometimes it's us. Sometimes we're the ones that are bringing in emotional baggage. Sometimes we're carrying in difficulty into a relationship. Sometimes our preconceptions or our biases break our relationships even before they start because we see somebody and we judge them for not who they are, but some external factor on their lives. We have, we have, we've had interactions with our friends and, and they freak out for no reason, no apparent reason. We can't figure it out. And, and sometimes our friends freak out for exactly the right reason, because we're acting out of character, because we do things that are hurtful and hateful. Uh, I, I can't tell you how many times I have been uh, in, in the heat of an argument. I have said something that was hurtful, intentionally hurtful. And later I'm like, why did I say that? What was it that, you know, I, I didn't mean it, and now I feel guilty because I've said something that was hurtful, and so how do I, how do I retrace those steps? And, and relationships are just hard. And this is why I think Jesus spends a lot of time on relationships, restoring people's relationships with community and restoring people's relationship with God. Because if we don't have God in a relationship, it's going to be difficult for us to have good relationships with others. Because when we have God in our relationships, when we allow God into our lives, we can start to, start to lose some of that selfishness and start living a little bit more selflessly. I mean, Jesus' whole concept, the, the number one and number two rule are all about relationships. Love God with all your heart, strength, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love others. Sums up the, 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 the most important part of the commandments. And yet, we have so much difficulty just loving others the way they are, helping them to move in the right direction, caring for people, uh, not being biased, not being selfish, not struggling with all of that. And so, for us, I, I think that we need to reset our relationships. We need to reset our relationship so that we can do relationships right, so that we're not carrying all of our brokenness and baggage into a new relationship, but instead we, we see them the way God sees them. We see them in a way that, that, that you know, can celebrate who they are. Now, this is, doesn't mean that we need to be best friends with everybody we come in contact with, because you can love somebody and not really like them. Uh, you can love somebody, want the best for them, love them for who they are, and the, the, the idea that God has crafted a, a, a special and unique human being, but we don't have to like them because their, their uh, personality rubs us the wrong way, or they do things that, that cause us to struggle, but we still want the best for them, right? So that's where the basis of this comes from. But Jesus calls us to something even deeper, 
something even more, something richer, something that can, can help us to, to be more like Christ. And, and, and that's what we're after in a reset. If we're going to really reset our lives on Jesus, relationships is a key portion of that, a key part to us being successful. And so we're going to take a look at Matthew's gospel. Matthew was a tax collector, called out of the tax booth to follow Jesus, was an eyewitness to Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Um, and he tells us a story of Jesus going to this mountaintop. And he's telling, uh, and when we think of mountaintop, it's not like the, Ro- the Rocky Mountains, right? It's a mountaintop in, in, uh, along the coast of the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus takes a group up there and he's teaching them. And it's called the Sermon on the Mountain. So this comes from a couple of the the places uh, that Jesus is talking about relationships in the Sermon on the Mount. It says this, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, I tell you that anyone who is angry with with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Anyone who says, I mean, what, what, is that, what does that mean? Anyone who says Raka, uh, that doesn't seem to really carry the weight that it used to. Um, Raka really was a term, of, uh, it was an insult, a slight Uh, on your person. And so what Jesus is saying, actually, uh, what I'll do here, instead of just explaining it to you, sometimes it's helpful to get other other versions of the Bible so that you can maybe get a little bit better insight. Because quite frankly, this could be a struggle for us to understand. uh, Because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense worded the way that it is for us today. And so I, there's a, a, it's not an interpretation, it's, it's an interpretation of an interpretation. It's really a Bible that's written in modern English, uh, and it's called The Message. And so I'm going to read the same passage in the Message version of the Bible. You're familiar with the command to the ancients, do not murder. And I'm telling you that anyone who is so much as angry with a brother or sister is guilty of murder carelessly call a brother an idiot, and you just might find yourself hauled into court. Thoughtlessly yell stupid at a sister, and you're on the brink of hellfire. The simple moral fact is that words kill. Ooh. Sometimes I think it's better not to understand. The simple moral fact is that words kill. Uh, Sometimes I regret it when I do understand. The truth is words matter. And, And Jesus is saying, hey, what you say is important. What you say to others is important. So calling someone an idiot or calling them stupid, uh, saying something that is, is breaking them down is harmful. And, and, and Jesus doesn't want us to do that. Jesus wants us to be something different. Jesus calls us into a new life to live differently. And so when he does that, he wants us to know that words matter. And so he finishes that statement, that, that section of teaching with this. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar And remember that your brother or sister has something against you. You've wronged them in some way. Leave your gift in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled. 
to them. Then come and offer your gift. Then come and offer your gift. If you have done something to hurt somebody, Jesus says, it's more important for you to be reconciled to them than to give your offering to God. Uh, it's, It's important to Jesus, so that should mean that it's important to us. Because if we've wronged somebody, if we've hurt someone, then they're left in a place where they can't be right because we have done something against them. And the truth is this, God won't delight in our offerings if we aren't living right with others. God won't delight in our offering if we're not living right with others. If we are in poor relationship with the world around us, with the people out there because of our, our, our deeds, our misdeeds, and the way that we do that, it's going to harm somebody else. And, and God's not like, oh, he's doing all the other things right. It's just this relationship issue he's not got down. No, God says, hey, I want you to do relationships right. I want you to, to focus on relationships because the truth is our thoughts precede our deeds. And so if we're thinking poorly of someone else, if we're intentionally trying to hurt or harm someone else through our words, our actions, our deeds, then, then we have a problem. And, and we need a change from the inside out. We need to be made new. We need a reset on the way that we have relationships. If we wrong somebody, then we need to make amends. We need to take responsibility. We need to say, I'm sorry. And then we need to prove it. Now, I know there are some relationships that you have been in, if you're anything like me, that we have been in, that if we went to them and tried to say, I'm sorry, it would be detrimental. It would hurt them more than it would heal or help. And so for situations like that, it's better just to pray um, and to seek God's grace and forgiveness and to pray for the best for whoever you have harmed or wronged or done something against. Most of the time, though, we have an opportunity. We can, we can make amends. We can restore, rebuild, and reset our relationships so that we can share that love and grace, so that we can apologize for being a jerk, say I'm sorry, and then live out the proof that we are sorry that we want them to know that. And Jesus calls us to live differently. Jesus calls us to a new life, totally different from what the world sees as perfect and great and and acceptable. Uh, In Matthew's gospel, Jesus continues and says this, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. This doesn't sound like a a relationship many of us want to be involved in. Jesus is working to undo all of the brokenness that we've carried into life and the, the relationships that we have. And Jesus wants to start with you. Jesus wants to start to make a new you, to reset you, to restore you to relationship with God and to relationship with all of the people you know. And so the the reality is we need to say yes to Jesus, to this new way of doing life and and reset our lives on Jesus. Uh, Jesus loves you just the way you are, 
But Jesus loves you too much to leave you the way you are. Jesus wants to make you into a new person, a new creation, something new under the sun that God has done in you, and and that allows you to live out of that hope and promise. Jesus wants to reset you so that you can live the way that God wants you to, so that you can embrace the promise of what God offers. Reset your focus onto God himself, to reset your faith, to understand that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection has given you new life, to reset your direction and allow you to to go in the way that God is calling you to, to reset your desire, that your heart's desire can be for the Lord and for His kingdom, and to reset your relationships so that when you interact and, and, and relate with one another, that you can bring life, give life, and share the life, love, and hope of Jesus Christ with everyone. And so I want to encourage you, don't let another year go by. Don't let another year go by where you struggle to, to, to make a decision. Instead, make that decision to, to lean into a relationship with Christ, to allow Him full access to who you are, to share life with God so that in that relationship, you can have a new relationship with the world around you. Don't let another year go by where you're waiting to make the same resolution again and again. Don't let another moment go by. Seek God right now. God is close by and he wants to answer. He wants to enter into that relationship and he wants to draw you nearer to him so that he can restore you, so that he can reset you in the name of Christ. Let's pray. Holy One, we give you thanks and praise for the gift you give us in Jesus, for the life, death, and resurrection that you offer to us, for a new life that we can have in you. Father, pour your spirit out upon us, that by the power and presence of your spirit that we are truly reset, that we are truly allowing ourselves to be restored in new life to you, that we are being reset, that everything about us can be brand new. Help us in in all of the aspects of our life to, to seek you first, to seek your kingdom right here and right now, to love people where they are, to share the life and hope that you have given to us, to share that joy and peace, the promise of resurrection that we have in you. Help us to share that good news with everyone we come in contact with. And Father, if there is someone out there that has been on the brink of taking a step into faith. Or maybe they've been coming to church their whole lives and and they just have never allowed you full access. Maybe they're brand new to this whole idea of church. Uh, And we just pray, God, in this moment that you would surround them with your Holy Spirit, that you would surround them with your presence, that you would let them know in a powerful and profound way that you are right there with them, that you want them to take this step so that together you can restore them to right relationship with you, that together you can reset them into a new path, a new direction, and a new life, not letting their past dictate who they are, but letting the fact that you are God of all creation dictate who they can be in the future. We pray this together in the name of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And all of us agreed and said, amen.